On this International Overdose Awareness Day, families speak out on the dangers of drugs, what the state is doing as newer narcotics take hold, and why the families say it's not enough. And meteorological summer ends tonight at midnight, and it was Austin's hottest summer ever observed. Your first warning forecast is coming up. Right, we're going to rebuild. 23 years. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Adelia cleanup begins, and it's not just in Florida. Does the government have enough money, though, to help? Well, last year, more than 5,000 Texans lost their lives to a drug overdose. The rising dangers of fentanyl spurred the legislature to take strict new punishments, like prosecuting drug dealers as murderers after overdoses. And families of those who have lost their lives to drugs say the state can do more to reduce the risk. Our Ryan Chandler brings us their stories and the bipartisan calls for harm reduction. Not one more! Not one more! I want to cry so bad. My son was a good person. My son was a good guy. But families are being hurt. Mothers crying about their children. I'm devastated about my son. Carolyn Williams says her son Hassan was never a criminal or a drug addict. It took just one mistake before she found him dead. He got a hold of some bad stuff and it killed him. Hassan is one of almost 5,000 Texans who were killed last year in a drug overdose. It's a rising danger that led Governor Abbott to sign numerous bipartisan laws this summer, like allowing Narcan on college campuses and prosecuting drug deaths as murders. Activists say the legislature should go farther. The test strip will save a life. I know that for a fact. Test strips can let users detect whether drugs they're taking contain deadly fentanyl. Harm reduction policies like legalizing fentanyl test strips failed to become law in Texas this session. But nationwide, these measures have been growing support in a way that transcends politics and parties. I understand some people suggesting this maybe will encourage people to use it. Uh, I disagree with that. I think it will save lives. Republican Senator John Cornyn introduced legislation to reaffirm the legality of these test strips nationwide. And Texans say this is not a liberal issue. I'm anti-abortion, bro. That's how much I think human life is important and precious. And as a Christian, uh, how can you look at these people and say not their life? People are dying. Mothers are grieving. Families are hurt. We're hurt. We're angry. Ryan Chandler, KXAN News. And Governor Abbott does support legalizing fentanyl test strips, and so did a bipartisan majority in the Texas House. The legislation failed, though, in the Criminal Justice Committee of the Texas Senate under a Democratic chair. And going in depth, yesterday we told you Travis County reported its first overdose deaths related to the horse tranquilizer xylazine. Five cases since the beginning of August, according to the medical examiner. One of those cases hasn't been finalized yet, though. All of the victims also had fentanyl and other drugs in their systems. This comes after the DEA warned of a nationwide threat of fentanyl mixed with xylazine, a combination known as Trank. Xylazine overdoses are also not reversed by Narcan. And it is worth noting Narcan will be available over the counter and also online at select retailers starting next week. It'll be about $45 for a box of two doses. And despite a court challenge, a controversial bill will still go into effect tomorrow. The Texas Supreme Court denied an attempt to block a ban on certain health care for transgender minors in the state. This after a group of doctors and parents sued the state. A hearing was held earlier this month. A 16-year-old trans boy described the emotional distress he felt before undergoing hormone therapy. And he fears what's next, since the clinics he visited are now closed in anticipation of the new law. The boy's attorneys argued this law is discriminatory. 
Pipe's law only seeks to prohibit treatments only for transgender youth with gender dysphoria, while allowing the exact same medical care, including puberty blockers and hormones, to be prescribed to any other minor for any other reason or medical diagnosis. A Republican author of the legislation responded to criticism that the law takes away a parent's ability to make decisions for their child. I don't think this is about good parents or bad parents. I think that unfortunately we have a medical community that has followed very, very poor science. Well, this isn't the only bill going into effect tomorrow. We have a breakdown of other laws taking effect. Just look for this story on KXAN.com. Former President Donald Trump entered a plea of not guilty in the Georgia criminal case today. And that case accuses him of racketeering and conspiracy in connection with the effort to overturn the 2020 election. His lawyers told the court that he will not appear in person for the scheduled arraignment next week, which is allowed under Georgia law. Now, he and the 18 others charged in the case were scheduled to be arraigned on September 6th. Several other people charged in the indictment had already waived arraignment in filings with the court. A judge sentenced a former leader of the Proud Boys to 17 years in federal prison today for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. A jury convicted Joe Biggs of seditious conspiracy. The government called him an instigator and leader during the attack. Biggs is an Army veteran who sustained a head injury in Iraq. He then served as a correspondent for the conspiracy website InfoWars. The judge said Biggs's tearing down of a fence that stood between police and rioters qualified him for a terrorism sentencing enhancement. Prosecutors had recommended a 33-year sentence. Still, this is the second longest sentence so far in the Capitol case. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes was given 18 years back in May. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, it is a very hot, dry day on this final day of meteorological summer, August 31st. 99 right now with mostly sunny skies down south at the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center Cam. It's 100 right now in Cameron, 101 in San Marcos. Temperatures area-wide have been a degree or two hotter than yesterday. And it's the sunshine, the heat, and the lack of wind creating high levels of pollution. An ozone action day in effect still for a couple more hours today, and we expect a couple more of these tomorrow and Saturday as this hot stagnant weather continues. Coming up tomorrow kicks off meteorological fall. I'll have your Labor Day weekend forecast including when a chance of rain returns as we wrap up a historic summer of heat. First, we're checking in on now post-tropical storm Idalia now, uh, just a day after making landfall as a major Category 3 hurricane on Florida's Gulf Coast. The storm plowed through the Carolinas, causing downed power lines, flooded roads, and even tornadoes. Meanwhile, parts of Florida are already starting to rebuild. One of the hardest hit areas was this small coastal town called Horseshoe Beach. One man there lost his shrimping business that he inherited from his father. Others lost their retirement homes that they worked so hard for. The National Guard has been doing door-to-door -door searches for people and also offering help. And even with the help heading to Florida, repairs are going to take a while. How the federal government is aiding hurricane victims while also continuing recovery efforts in Maui. Plus an APD detective on the stand talking about the difficulties in the 6th Street math shooting case. And a man's capital murder charge for killing a teenager lesson. He's now eligible for bond. What the victim's mother and the district attorney are now saying about these changes. 
An APD detective took the stand today in day three of the trial for DeAndre White. White is accused of killing innocent bystander Doug Cantor and injuring more than a dozen others during the mass shooting on 6th Street back in 2021. APD detective Danny Hernandez worked on the investigation. He said once they identified the people involved, it was extremely difficult to get information from witnesses. He said, quote, the loyalty to their friends was paramount to them. We also heard from one of those friends, Nakira Hullett. She frequently said, I don't know or I don't remember when examined by the state, even when asked if the defendant changed his appearance after the shooting. State attorneys then brought forward a group chat text messages where they discussed him changing his hair. Still, Hullett said she didn't remember. Detective Hernandez also said none of the people involved were documented criminal gang members, but he added local cliques or micro gangs are becoming increasingly common. The Travis County Sheriff's Office has arrested a man accused of grooming and assaulting a young girl, but they believe he may have more victims and they want some to come forward. Back in April, the Sheriff's Office responded to a report of sexual abuse of a child involving a 14-year-old girl reportedly groomed via Instagram by this man, 24-year-old Ashton Pop. Now, police arrested him in July. That investigation shows he began grooming the victim when she entered the seventh grade. The Travis County Sheriff's Office is asking any other victims to come forward. They can call the tip line at the number you see there on your screen or they can call 911. We should note that we did reach out to Pop's attorney and we have not yet heard back. Well, the unusual heat continues here on this August 31st. Typical highs are 95. We're back up at 102 today in the Austin area. No rain as we wrap up one of our driest summers on record. More on that in just a moment. Travis and Buchanan both down to their lowest levels in eight years. Your forecast for Labor Day and the Texas football game coming up. As families and authorities assess the damage left in Idalia's wake, President Biden is promising to help those in the storm's path rebuild their lives. But with two major disasters, the Maui wildfires in Idalia in just one month, does FEMA have the funds needed to back up those promises? As NBC's Alice Barr reports, Congress returns next week and could provide some help. Along Florida's Gulf Coast today, survivors of Hurricane Adalia are starting to pick up the pieces of their lives. The same heart-wrenching task still underway in Maui after catastrophic wildfires. In a surprise visit to FEMA headquarters today, President Biden promising full federal support. I'm here to make clear that our nation has your back. But the head of FEMA on the ground today with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has warned the agency's disaster relief fund is running dangerously low, down to $3.4 billion. While immediate needs funding will ensure we can continue to respond to disasters, it is not a permanent solution. President Biden urging GOP lawmakers seeking spending cuts to get on board. We need this money done. We need this disaster relief request met. We need to do it in September. Many Republicans oppose the proposal to link disaster relief funds to more emergency money for Ukraine. Florida Senator Rick Scott accusing the president of playing games with disaster aid. Lawmakers in both parties in Florida are pressing to restore the critical FEMA fund. Congress needs to do its job. I have a bill in the House. Emergency managers around this country are worried about how this stuff is going to get done when there's no funds available. Pressure mounting as the U.S. has already seen $17 billion disasters so far this year, nearly as many as in all of 2022, with months of hurricane season still ahead.
In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. And President Biden says he will be traveling to Florida on Saturday to survey Idalia's aftermath. All right, looking at our weather here, you have a record, a hotter summer record. Hopefully this is the last record I ever talk okay. about this year. We have felt it, haven't we? This yeah. will go down as Austin's hottest summer in recorded history. This is so significant. Remember 2011, the gold standard of hot summers that everybody always compares the heat to? Well, this was exactly as hot. We tied 2011 for first place, hottest summer on record. You might say, well, summer isn't officially over, and that's correct, but meteorological summer is June, July, and August, and that ends at midnight tonight. Hourly temperatures for three months average nearly five degrees hotter than normal. What's down there in third place? Oh, that was last summer. And yes, these hotter than normal summers are coming more commonly as the climate warms. In fact, Austin's 10 hottest summers have all come in the last 25 years. We have records that extend 125 years. None of those ones back in the early 1900s or anywhere close. Also at the airport, even though the period of record there is shorter since the 1940s, this was far and away the hottest summer on record. So blaming it on the urban heat island effect, that's not going to happen this time. Average temperatures there 87.2 instead of the average of lower than 84 degrees. And this was Austin's driest meteorological summer in 113 years. Look at the normal rainfall for the last three months shown in gray. This summer's delivered rainfall so much less than that. If you add all of these up, this equaled only 1.31 inches in the bucket over the last three months. That's 15% of what we would typically get in our second driest summer in history in the Austin area. There is one record that we're lagging behind 2011 in, and that is the total number of triple-digit days. We had 90 that year, but remember, there were some that came after today's date on the calendar in September. At this point in 2011, we had 76, so we're not that far behind. We'll see how uh, have to see how September shapes up in terms of if we'll catch up with that or not. And by the way, at 6 o'clock, we have brand new, hot off the press, September outlooks. Will we be hotter, cooler than normal? Rainfall projections, stick around for that. I'm working those up for you right now. Here we are live in Austin, 98 degrees. We've got a calm, stagnant weather pattern all across the state under mainly clear skies. Temperature is going to do a repeat of all of this tomorrow. Overnight tonight, we fall into the 70s, pretty comfortable again. But tomorrow afternoon, the lack of wind, the sunshine, and the triple-digit heat leading to more air quality problems. It's not a really unhealthy day for most of us, but this is what's called unhealthy for some. Another ozone action day expected tomorrow and on Saturday. So if you have a respiratory condition, heart disease. Also the very old and very young, they are advised not to strain yourself outdoors too much just to limit how much of that ozone pollution that you're breathing in. Same goes for Austin, uh, Texas game day on Saturday. Uh, the Texas home opener is at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Light winds, hot temperatures, you guessed it. Every kick, uh, home kickoff game seems like this, doesn't it? 100 degrees as Texas takes on Rice. Tonight, hope you enjoy the beautiful supermoon. It'll be almost as big tonight as it starts to shrink down a bit. 73 under mostly clear skies. Tomorrow, 101, not much wind and partly cloudy skies. There is a little slight chance of rain that we talked about yesterday creeping in over the holiday weekend, but it's just 10% Sunday and on Labor Day Monday. That's just a real isolated shower, so I wouldn't change my plans over that at all. As you can see, at least a hotter than normal first week of September in the forecast with seven more triple-digit days in Austin.
All right, David, thank you. Family and friends of a loved one gunned down this year rallied today outside a Travis County court concerned the suspected killer could get out of jail. KXN's Brianna Hollis has more from the victim's family and what played out in court this week. Brian Serrano, my son, was murdered. Clutching a sign with her son's name on it, Julieta Serrano refuses to let go. If it was my son that night, it could have been anyone else. In May, police say someone, a stranger, shot and killed him in southeast Austin. Irvin Coronado Palacio, then 17 years old, now charged in Serrano's death. In court, we learned a grand jury lowered Palacio's original capital murder charge to murder, making him eligible for bond. We are not in agreement to a bond being set. Uh, there are a lot of factors that the judge would consider in that situation. At Wednesday's hearing, Palacio's attorneys asked for a $65,000 bond. The state asked for a $500,000 bond, saying there's, quote, nothing more serious than murder. A judge ultimately granted a $150,000 bond. Coronado would have to put down 10% of that to get out, so $15,000. The DA's office opposed the bond, finding it too low. Defense attorney Logan Campbell isn't on the case, but explains the factors a judge considers when making bond decisions. Do they have a long criminal history or do they have no criminal history? Do they have ties to, you know, somewhere out of the country where they could possibly uh, flee to? In court, the state cited Palacio's juvenile criminal history and family ties in Nicaragua as some of the reasons for a high bond, while the defense argued the suspect's juvenile offenses weren't violent and there's no indication he had plans to leave the country. Julieta Serrano yelled as she left the courtroom, hoping for no bond at all. We want justice for Brian. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. And as of this evening, Palacio is still behind bars. Up next, the event that set a new record for women's sports attendance. Just how many people filled the stadium. Right now, with inflation taking a bigger bite, more Americans turning to credit cards and falling behind on payments. What you should know and why the rate of alcohol-related deaths among women is rising. Our report ahead on Nightly News. The University of Nebraska women's volleyball team has some serious bragging rights today. The team just broke the world record for the largest attendance ever at a women's sporting event. So more than 92,000 cheering fans packed the university's Memorial Stadium last night for the volleyball game against Omaha. The women's team usually plays their home games at a facility with a maximum capacity of just over 13,000. Now to top off the record shattering night, the ladies walked away with a victory, winning a 3-0 sweep over the Omaha Mavericks. The previous world record for women's sports attendance, 91,648. That was set at a soccer game in the spring of 2022 in Barcelona, Spain. We'll talk about a bizarre traffic stop. A police department in Nebraska responded to a call yesterday of a man driving with a massive bull. Yes, a bull, the animal, in his passenger seat. Officers pulled over the driver. Turns out the car had been modified to accommodate the bull named Howdy Doody. Half of the roof and windshield on the passenger side were removed and the passenger door was fitted with a metal guardrail. The sign on the side of the car said Nebraska's Big Rodeo Parade Best Car Entry. The driver and the bull got away with a warning. Well, tonight on KXAN, it's Password at 7, Law & Order SVU at 8 o'clock, and Law & Order at 9, right before KXAN News at 10. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin. Here's where to find us.